Hello, welcome to another episode of Pack One Pick One. This is your host, Flynn, and today I'm going to be talking about uh, building commander decks, and specifically ones on a budget, like an extreme budget. But before that, I did want to say that I'm sorry that I didn't get to publish an episode uh, about a week ago after the Star City Baltimore Open. I tried to, to make one, but I had some technical issues, so I couldn't publish it for whatever reason. But um, hopefully I'll be able to make more episodes uh, soon about the upcoming Grand Prix in DC and other uh, SCG or other Opens in the area. Uh, just so you guys know, I do live in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area, up in Montgomery County, Maryland. So I may end up talking about the shops or stores in the area, uh, get local players on there on this podcast. You've heard another one of them, uh, Michael, a few times. He's appeared on here. So, yeah, I realized that I don't think I told any of you where this podcast was based out of before, but that's where I am. So, uh, yeah, with that out of the way, I'm not going to be opening any packs in this episode because I'm just going to be focusing purely on EDH. And the reason why I'm doing that this time is because a person in one of my local playgroups challenged me a few weeks ago to make an EDH deck that was under $50 because uh, I usually do play with more powerful cards, and some of them are expensive, like Mana Crypt uh, and a few of my decks, uh, Swords, like uh, Light and Shadow, Fire and Ice, that kind of card. Uh, just, you know, really strong stuff. I have some original duels in some of my EDH decks, so they uh, they kind of were like, oh, well, you know, why don't you try making, you know, a deck that's like $50 or less, They're kind of throwing a number out there. And, yeah, I thought about it for a bit, and, you know, I don't really have any EVH decks that I could say are cheap, like, really under-costed. I've bought pre-cons before, but I I didn't want to go that route with this, because I think that it makes it a better challenge if I'm actually building it myself from the ground up, rather than spending, like, $20, $30 $20, $30 on a pre-con and saying I did the challenge. It's not really the same thing as building your own deck like that. So, so I didn't do that this time. And uh, I actually did choose after, you know, debating what I thought would make the most sense for a cheap deck, uh, a Simic Commander. And uh, the one I've chosen is Azuri Claw of Progress. Now, he does have a pre-con deck, but, again, I didn't want to go that route because I felt like it would have been too easy and kind of, like, cheapening the whole uh, challenge by doing that. And, um, I settled on Simic first because it's one of the stronger colors in Commander uh, combinations. Most people think it is the best, if not one of the best you can do. Because you have great ramp, card draw, strong creatures, there is good removal. It does pretty much everything you want. It can go wide, uh, do fast decks, more control decks. 
there's a lot of options, unlike some other colors, like Boros, that really don't have the options or tools, and don't have the same variety. So, because it has a lot of strong cards, there's a lot of powerful cards in the deck that are actually very cheap, because they're either not played anywhere besides EDH, uh, they may be banned in a lot of formats, or they may have uh, been reprinted so many times the value has fallen, or, you know, just they could be printed at low rarities, where, like, Counterspell, it's banned in a lot of formats, been printed a lot, uh, printed at common, so strong cards, but they're not expensive for a variety of reasons. And I think that uh, that's something that I'd really have to focus on, is getting the most bang for your buck out of this. Because, you know, if you're making a deck that's, you know, 50 or sub $50, then you really have to worry about, you know, each couple cents that a card has, you know, that takes away some limited space. You can't just play like a $49 commander and have the rest of your deck be like basic lands and have a still functioning viable deck. So, what, uh, what I wanted to do to kind of make the challenge a little more well thought out than just make it less than $50, I, I added a few rules to it that I think make it fair and keep it in the same spirit. So, what I've done is uh, I've used the TCG mid-price for every card. Um, I made it so basic lands don't add to the cost of the deck because they're all basically worthless. It's like 500 or 1,000 basic lands equal $3, so the cost of those is negligible, which helps because they take up a good bulk of the deck, meaning that you'll be able to use some of that limited like funds towards other cards that you might want more. So they're good like that. Uh, sleeves don't cost anything as well. And what else, what else, what else? <laughs> Uh, the shipping, I, I'm not factoring that in. I'm trying to use TCG Direct to get it as you know, free as I can, which I've done for most cards. Um, and then the last rule that I added for myself was that if I already own the card, then I still have to factor in the cost. So I can't put like a tropical island in there if I already own it and you know write that off and pretend that's not part of the deal. It uh, doesn't work like that for this deck. So that's another really important thing. That makes it challenging, because I may own some of the cards, but then I have to think, can I really put it in there? Like, this card's worth like five bucks, or I could have, you know, two cards that are worth like 250 And I did run into that issue a couple times. Like, I wanted to put Worldly Tutor or Cyclonic Rift in this deck to essential staples of EDH. Um, you know, most decks you'd be mad not to run them, but they take up almost a tenth of the cost. Uh, no, actually, sorry. Uh, no, sorry. They take up like almost 20% of the cost of, you know, the budget that I've got just in that one card. You can't really do that. So, you know, I mainly looked at cards that were, you know, below $2.00. And there's a, there's a lot of cards that fit that. You'd be surprised at the cool effects that you can get 
when, you know, the prices aren't that high. So, uh, let's see. I kind of want to go over some card types, like for the deck, and some examples of really powerful cards that don't cost a lot of money. So, uh, take Counterspell, for example. It's a fairly cheap card. Um, I think the version that I got is from Tempest. And, you know, it's maybe a dollar at that. Uh, I think it's actually, like, less than 50 cents. And, uh, you know, I, I decided to go at Near Mint as well for cards. I could go even cheaper and get, like, high-played cards, but I still wanted my cards to be somewhat decent, so... You know, I kind of accepted that I'd be spending a couple more dollars that, you know, I wouldn't be able to put towards other cards by doing that. Yeah, so I had to worry about that. You have cards like Plasm Capture, which are really strong, counters a spell, gives you mana. It's essentially mana drain. Uh, Reality Shift, which is instant speed exile a creature for one and a blue. It's a cheap card. They get a 2-2, but... You can get rid of something crazy like an Avacyn or Iona or Drazi. And a Beast Within. Again, you know, this one's like a dollar or so. But it uh, you know, destroys any permanent at instant speed. So that's something really powerful. You know, you're going to want those. You have enchantments like Rites of Flourishing, where they give you more card draw, uh, mana ramp. They may help your opponents, but, you know you're really ideally trying to help yourself more uh, to mitigate any help that those guys are getting. And, uh, you know, it's only like a dollar or so in TCG. It's a little bit above it. So, great effect. Um, cheap. You have Imprisoned in the Moon, which can exile another problem permanent. So, that's great. You know, Mono Blue Green doesn't really have a lot of that. And it's cheaper than Song of the Dryads, which is like a $5 card. So, it's great to have stuff like that. You have Imbolus's Clutches. You can steal a permanent, so a land, a creature, a planeswalker, artifact. Doesn't matter. Uh, great stuff like that. You have cheap clone effects, like uh, Clever Impersonator, Stunt Double. The great thing about those is that they just keep getting better and better clones. Because the original, I guess, you know, it's good, but wasn't needed. Uh, some enchantments like Monastery Siege or Evolutionary Escalation, which are great for this deck. Because you're going to run a lot of creatures that want to get stronger, probably have Unblockable or Infect. And uh, speaking of Infect, I'll get back on that later and uh, the strategy for this deck, kind of what I'm going with. But then, you know, you have creatures. Like I said, there's some Infect creatures, uh, most of which are very cheap, uh, you know, mana-wise and cost. Uh, stuff like Eternal uh, Witness, Cold-Eyed Selkie, stuff that can give you a bonus, like, the stronger they get. So they may start out as, like, a 1-1 or a 2-1, but, you know, if you got a card that says whenever it hits a player, you draw cards equal to its power, then suddenly Zuri is going to be making your creatures some massive threats. And, uh... And that's something I like with this commander, is that, you know, you don't always have to be jamming in strong Eldrazi or huge creatures, because your threats will just naturally get bigger and better on their own. Um, and that, that's a lot of strategic value that you have there. And that's why I chose him, because 
I wanted to make sure that I could still have cool effects and uh, have powerful creatures without necessarily having to pay the money for that, because that could really eat up the budget. Like Champion the Lambholt, Reclamation Sage, Hooded Hydra, Edric, list goes on. Uh, you, know, you have sorceries like Kodama's Reach, Search, Search for Tomorrow, Cultivate, uh, just really powerful cards. Uh, they're great ramp, and that's a big reason to go into green. Uh, some bounce like Devastation Tide for removal, uh, etc. I'm not running any Planeswalkers because they're a little expensive, but like some of them are like 4 or $5, and that... It takes up some spare space in this deck that could go other places. Even though I would like to run them, it's just not viable. Um, yeah, stuff like that. So the strategy for this deck, I kind of decided would be very aggressive and trying to get as much value as I can out of plays. So running infect creatures, even though it's kind of frowned upon at times, like a win con, you know, if you're playing with a lot less or a lot less powerful tools than other people, then you have to work with what's available. And it can mean changing your play style. So I normally wouldn't run some of these cards, but it's what's available and it's one of the stronger things you can do with what you have. So I kind of had to accept that I would have to do that if I wanted to make the deck more viable. You know, if I just want it to be casual, complete jank, and wouldn't win, then I wouldn't care about stuff like that. But I feel like, you know, that's not the spirit of the challenge. You want to make something that can still win games. You can still have fun playing with it, get to do stuff, even if you're not winning, rather than just a pile of random crap cards. That's not what we're going for here. And... Uh, yeah, that's kind of why I settle on stuff like that. So I'm running uh, cards like Sage of Hours, which can result in infinite turns. Um, if they don't remove it, I have enough experience counters. So, you know, I had to make some concessions like that. I'm not going to go through the full deck list, just because it's, you know, close to 100 cards. But... Um, you know, I'm running things like Acidic Slime or like Curse of the Swine for removal, Fathom Mage, Fertilid, um, Wild Beastmaster, Chasm Skulker, cards that, again, get bonuses for having counters that work great with this commander. So, uh, one thing that I've kind of focused on is I haven't put a lot of non-basic lands in this deck, and that's kind of an advantage that blue-green has in EDH. This has really good card draw and mana fixing. So you don't need a lot of removal... Uh, sorry, ramp. Like um, Sky Shroud Claim or Three Visits. You don't need cards like Breeding Pool in a deck like this. Because you're only running two colors. And with the access of cheap ramp and draw, you're going to hit... Um, you know the lands and mana that you need pretty much every game. So stuff like that's good, and it allows me to run cards like Wave of Vitriol, which can really hurt people that are too greedy with mana rocks or expensive lands. So that's another bonus with the deck, and why I chose this color combination, because I figured I could 
again, get the most bang for my buck, like the limited budget that I've got here. And, oh, what else? Kind of, I've gone over the creatures, kind of strategy with that. So, you know, it's an, it's an interesting challenge for sure. Like, uh, you really have to take into account, you know, just what you want to do in EDH and, you know, kind of learn how to adjust your deck building style if you're not just putting in whatever you have from your collection or just being able to buy the most expensive cards, uh, stuff like that. So that was really interesting to, to make this deck. I probably um, wouldn't do something like this all the time just because you know, I'm used to playing with stronger cards. Um, you know, I think it makes the game more fun, exciting, flashier. But there's you know a time and place to kind of take it down a notch, which I haven't really done in a long time since I played Commander. So, you know... I'm going to order um, the rest of these cards today off a TCG player, and hopefully within a week or so they'll arrive, and then, so maybe within two weeks from Lucky, I'll have played a couple games with this deck, and then I'll be able to make another podcast talking about, you know, how it went, uh, any things I would do differently for like another budget EDH challenge. Uh, you know, various things like that, because this is something I'd like to do more. Not every commander player has access to uh, the best, rarest, most expensive cards. Um, you know, maybe there's a lot of cards that are kind of old or random. People wouldn't really think of putting in a deck, but that could be really strong. So I think I'm going to do another podcast like this. I don't know if I'll, you know, always buy a new deck each time, but I'll at least go over the process of kind of where I would start from the ground up with some decks and you know without using like a pre-con because I think that's again kind of cheating a bit so yeah look forward to um, a follow-up to this episode in a few weeks where I'll talk more about the deck and you know how it goes playing a budget deck and then also look forward to another episode of this podcast this week where I'm going to be talking about Dominaria and the draft format, because I played about 12 or 13 drafts of this set so far in paper, so I've got a you know, pretty good idea of what it's like now, and I'd like to discuss that, because you know, it's very popular and it's like the hot new set, and I haven't really delved into that yet. So, alright, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and as always you ever want to write to me, you can uh, send an email to pack1pick1 at gmail.com. And the actual uh, spelling of that is just uh, the word pack1, pick1. So just uh, spell it out, including the one. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely get back to any of you with any questions, comments, hate mail, spam, Uh, job offers that you have you know whatever so thanks for listening uh once again and yeah have a great day